0: core component of performance appraisal very often is something that we name performance evaluation, performance review, performance assessment or whatsoever. So the idea is really that as a supervisor you have to rank your people. Maybe you have to classify your people into different categories like A, B, C. A are the top performers, B are those in the middle, and C are the low performers. And this grading this kind of grading will lead to extrinsic consequences that the employees themselves cannot affect something like whether you are promoted well whether you get promoted or not whether you're going to receive um, a variable pay or not uh, whether you will be nominated into a talent pool for a kind of high potential program um, so this is the idea and I mean One strategic direction goes like this, saying, one of the central tasks of a manager is to formally evaluate employees at regular intervals. I mean, who else should do this? This is is a fundamental idea. And now here comes the problem and we're going to talk about this problem in this episode and we'll talk about how to deal with that problem. If a manager is doing that, giving grades, judging over employees, he or she must act like a boss. This is dedicated really to the boss role. You have the authority to do that and um, that is not compatible to some other leadership roles. Uh, we were talking about, like being a partner, being a coach, being an enabler. I mean, you, you have realized that I really, I really admire the work of Douglas McGregor, and I really admire his book uh, that was written 60 years ago, uh, The Human Side of Enterprise. And Douglas McGregor, he once really said, The role of a judge and the role of a counselor are not compatible. And when he talks about counselor, he means coach. You cannot be a judge and a coach all in once. You you can't. But if you have a system like this in place, where managers have to judge their people, they cannot act like a coach. I mean, being a judge means that you have the authority over people. And the opposite side of this is something completely different. And I, I put this again in a kind of a strategic statement saying... Leadership is at eye level. That is why our managers do not judge their employees but encourage critical self-reflection. They rather ask the people, "How do you th- what do you think about yourself? How would you evaluate your own performance? Think about it. Really ask the clients what do they say about it." So th- critically reflect Your own performance. And this is what what a coach coach would do. Now, here is the problem. In any well-managed organization, people will be judged at some points. Always. You have to. I mean, think about specific situations like somebody needs to be promoted. Right? I mean, not everybody can be promoted. So somebody has to make a decision. And this decision will depend on the people, of course. I mean, you will only promote the most suitable person. Or when it comes to, to nominating somebody into a talent pool for uh, uh, um, executive education for a kind of talent development program, I mean, probably you're you going to nominate somebody who is, who is uh, above average uh, with regards to his or her uh, performance. So you have to make a judgment. You have to. And, and this judgment will determine the future of these people. So you always have to do this somehow. I mean, also during the selection process, when you select people, you make a judgment upon people. And, and you have to have the authority for doing that. So to a certain extent, there is always the need for doing judgments, but at the same time, we see that judging people, judging employees, can be toxic, can lead to significant problems, and let me let me outline some of these uh, 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 particular problems. So, um, one idea might be that if people are judged, if team players are judged, that might lead to less collaboration and to more competition among peers. Right? So, especially when there is the idea that only a few people can be A players. Huh? So, if only, let's say, 10% of all people in a team can be A players... That will kill collaboration. And, and, and com- competition among colleagues might be most likely when forced ranking is applied. So, so what is forced ranking? Forced ranking is that you really say, okay, manager, if you have 10 people in your team, you have to make sure at the end that two people, 20%, are A players, seven, 70%, are B players, and one person, 10%, is a C player. You have to. Even though you only have superstars in your teams, which is probably the case, <laughs> you still have to follow this distribution. This is what we name forced ranking or forced distribution. And the idea is, when, when you really have divided labor, if the people work independently, if they do not work in teams, that, that might be okay. That might be okay. But once people are supposed to collaborate, sharing knowledge, helping each other, supporting each other, then you should not do this. So, so you see again, this is really a matter of context. In teams, you should not apply forced ranking. It will kill teamwork. Really. I mean, that's the same with my students. When, when I have my students, let's say I have 100 students, and I tell my students... Look, I will look at your performance at the end of the semester based on your performance in the exam, maybe. And then I will make a list. And the top 10% will get the best possible grade. And and, and from, from there, it goes on. If I do something like this, I will kill collaboration. I will kill something like learning groups. The students will stop supporting each other because everybody wants to be on the top. And if you help others you might lose your position on top. Or you might set your position on top at risk. I mean, that's, that's, you don't need to be a psychologist to understand this. This is, this is, this is, this is just practical. I mean, everybody would, would act like this, of course. Yeah? And, and here is another thing. And uh, what, what we need to understand is, is formal judgment... It's very often a difficult social and cognitive process and it very often happens on an intuitive level. I mean, there is this naive understanding that here is the supervisor and the supervisor is the superstar, the supervisor is the supermind, the master and as the supermaster, superstar, superhero he or she is absolutely capable to, to evaluate, to judge the performance of the people, because the supervisor knows everything. Just remember this idea with the T concept. There are the big T and the small T. If you are as the manager, you are the big T. Of course, you can judge the the performance of the small T's. Yes, you can. But 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 that's very often not the case. So, we have to have a closer look at what happens in a manager's mind when when he or she needs to do an an evaluation. And that's not so simple, as you will see. That's psychologically spoken a very difficult process. And I would like to go a little bit deeper into into this, just to take away your, your naivety, if there is any. Okay? So, let's assume the following situation, okay? Let's assume that there is a manager... And this manager has to evaluate uh, specific competence of John. Huh? I mean, you know John already. <laughs> so, so, and this specific competence, let's say that's, um, that's problem solving. Okay, problem solving. How good is John in problem solving? And there is a scale from one, poor, to five, Excellent. Okay, so now here's the first step. I have to think about, as a manager, I have to think about do I already have a judgment available? Have I ever thought about this? Yeah? No, I did not? Okay, so then I have better think about it. And the first thing I have to do is I have to think about what does that mean, problem solving? What does that mean being good in problem solving? I mean Ask different managers. Hey, managers, uh, please define problem solving. Or you could ask in different ways, somebody who's very good in problem solving, what does he or she do different than all the others? Hmm. (laughs) Well, it's not so easy, you see? Problem solving. What is that? Is that being creative? Is that having a lot of idea? Is that about execution? Is that about what is what is that? What is that? I mean, nobody knows, right? But but still, once you have an idea, at least an idea about what problem solving might be, yeah, you have to you have to challenge your long-term memory. You have to think about, hmm, how was that with John in the last twelve months? Hmm. Oh, and you think? Yeah, and then you think and you remember, remember, remember. Unfortunately, you have not uh, um, maintained a diary or something like that about the problem-solving activities of John. So, you really have to think. You have to use your long-term memory. So, some things might come to your mind. Yeah, some things, probably not everything, of course. I mean, um, retrieval from long-term memory—that's that's a that's a that's a complicated cognitive process. That's for sure. <sighs> yeah. So, okay, some things come to your mind, whatever that might be, and then you do kind of what we name an initial judgment. It's a kind of a feeling. It's a feeling saying, oh, what comes to my mind that feels a little bit like hmm, level three. Okay, level three. And then you put yourself in the situation where you tell this grade to John. So you anticipate what's going to happen if I tell John that in problem solving he's just a three. In the middle, and then, and now, now things turn social. Social, really. I, I, I now think, okay, how will John react? And and I know that John is in particular proud about being such a great problem solver, and I know that John will be absolutely disappointed when I tell you he's just a great, he's just a three. Huh. Now I know that John is a person who is hardly to be re- replaced. I mean, he's he's not the finest guy in the team but I mean he's a specialist of some sort and and I better don't mess with John I mean (laughs) I'm happy that I have him at least him (laughs) so uh, I should not tell him that he's just a three maybe so uh, that requires some adjustment so I think again I think again and then I find some more ideas yeah yeah last meeting he had some great ideas oh yeah and there was this problem that he successfully solved so I, I think again I think again and and then at some point I m- might say well hmm, maybe it's not just a three it's, it's a four maybe even a five maybe okay but four should be okay and then I'm in a good situation to tell John ah John it's a four you see you know this is a, a cognitive process. I mean, what comes across here like a little story, daily story, I mean, it's something that really happens in the human mind. And there's a lot of research about that. What do we remember? How do we create social judgments? Oh, that's a difficult process. We know that very often it's not about thinking about a judgment. Very often it's feeling about a, a judgment. And then once we have a feeling, we've, we try to find proof. Yeah? So thinking is just to 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 um, give a reason for what I already have felt. Yeah, mm, that's not so easy. That's not so easy. You see, uh, and you know, as I just have mentioned. Um, well, if if sometimes I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt the employee. I don't want to hurt the future collaboration with John. And I want to retain John, so I better give him or her, him in this case, a, a positive grade. And the grade, and to, to remain this relationship as a positive one, to me might be of, of more relevance than being valid in what I, in what I evaluate in the end. Okay? And, you know, there is another thing here, and I mentioned that already. Managers very often feel that their role as a manager is not compatible to that particular procedure. So, especially managers who act as coaches, partners, or enabler, they don't want to judge their employees. I mean, they consider their employees not as subordinates, but as colleagues. On the same eye level, and the man should see him or herself as part of the team. And you do not judge your colleagues. You do not do so. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you would never judge your wife or your husband. You don't do this. I mean, at least when you when you when you live together as partners, as equal partners, you don't do this. You don't give a grade to your wife. Okay, it's January, hey, wife, now I give you a grade how you were as my wife in the previous 12 month, And that will determine whether you are allowed to buy another bag or so. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's middle age, right? Okay, and, uh, maybe we don't have to go so, 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 so far into the past. Yeah. So depending on the role you want to play as a manager, judging others... Might be, might, might, might be compatible or not. And, and really, l- let me add this point here. From an HR perspective, we very often force our managers to judge their people, and then they hesitate. And then I have seen so many HR professionals complaining about the managers that they are not capable of, of, of using this tool they are not mature enough to do what what is part of their role, and and when we think that way, we we do wrong. We very often do wrong. It, it's that very often that managers don't want to judge their people because they don't. It, it's not compatible to their role. And 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 as 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 HR professionals, we have to be very 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 sensitive on this. Yeah? Okay. Um. Now you see that it's difficult. It's very often difficult. But still, as I said earlier, sometimes you have to judge people. You have to. You have to make a decision. And from what we know, there is just one way to judge people without hurting your role, without hurting the collaboration in the team. And the only solution to this is to make sure that once you judge an employee as an A player, make sure that the others in the team share this view, okay? Let's assume you have 10 people in your team and you can only promote one person out of the 10. One is the A player. You can only promote one out of the 10. Make sure that the other nine in the team, they accept the decision, say, yes, of course, that was the right choice. That's cool. That's important. And that very often requires empathy or maybe an intense discussion even among, among the team members. Okay? That's the only way out. Okay? So... And that's one question. How to deal with A players. Whom to, to, uh, whom to give more privileges. Whom to promote. Whom to put into talent pool or, or, or whatever. The other story is how to deal with C players. And, you know, here is an important idea. When we look at a classic, performance review form the grading comes as a kind of continuum right there is a b c sometimes companies have a five point scale maybe from performance is uh, below expectation m- very much below expectation below expectation meet expectation above expectation significantly above expectation okay you you somehow have this kind of continuum from poor to excellent That comes across as a continuum, but it is not. It is not. Making a decision, making a judgment upon who is an A player is a completely different story than uh, thinking about who are the C players. Because the consequences and the processes are completely different. So here is the advice. Separate the two. Really separate the two. Thinking about who are the A players is a completely different problem than thinking about who are the C players. Really, these are two completely different things. And I have met many companies who differentiate the two, really. They say, well, one time in a year, we want to understand who are the A players, full stop. Not thinking about who are the C players. Some other company might say, we only think about the C players, the rest is uh does not matter. That's good. Because separate the two. Really, separate the two. These are completely two different stories. Now let's let's talk about C player. Let's talk about low performance. Okay? Uh that's a that's a very important uh uh thing here. Um Again, we can really say, well-led companies actively deal with low performers and with low performance. You should not close your eyes once you see that an employee is not performing well. You should not. You should treat that. And uh, the question is how to do that. And uh, let me... Let me share with you a story. Again, let's uh, assume here is again John. And there is a kind of performance level that John is supposed to meet, a kind of expectation level, whatever that means. Could be that John is a, is a salesperson and you expect that John is selling uh, a, specific, um, a specific rate. And John always did well. He was mainly above expectation, really. But at some day, his performance dropped and performance became really, really poor. So what happened in the first phase is that the teammates realized this. They start to talk about this. They start to wonder what's going on with John. He's looking pale. Is he okay? His performance is down. He's always late. Doing a lot of mistakes. And of course, very often it's the supervisor's role to do something. It's his, his or her responsibility. So, very often, the first thing you do is a first uh, occasional dialogue. In this first occasional dialogue, uh, it's about uh, dealing with, with low performance. And, and, and that's a process of reflection are uh, asking, hey, John, what do you think about your own performance? Do you also agree that performance is no, not so good? Okay, if he agrees, then you think about, okay, is it that you don't want? Is it that you don't, that you can't? Or, or what, what is the reason for that? And and let's, let's find a solution uh, so that we can overcome low performance. Um, so you do this. And, Then you let John go and John will continue and hopefully you hope that John will recover but let's assume he does not. So performance becomes even worse. What's happened then? You make the second occasional dialogue and you do the same procedure, of course. And you talk again. What's wrong? What should we change? And whatever. And you know, this is, this is a coaching process this is a coaching process where together with john you as a supervisor you think about solutions and you make a deal with john say okay if we change this do you think that things get better okay now comes january and the annual performance review takes place now guess what happened if john does not recover now here's the point where John will get his label being a C player. That, that what, that, this is something that, that will happen. Okay, John, now you are a C player. So what I want you to see is there is a difference between dealing with performance and dealing with performer. Up to this point, the supervisor and Sean were dealing with performance. They were talking about how can we get the performance up. What do we need to do to ensure that your performance is good? It's about what John is doing, right? Performance. But once you say, John, you are a C player, then you do not talk about performance anymore. Now you talk about the performer. Now this is about the person, the C player. We do not name it C performance. We name it C player. It's a label of the person. Now this becomes a judgment. And, and uh, this judgment will lead to extrinsic consequences always. Especially in well-led companies. Very often they lay off these people or replay these people internally, which is okay. Which is absolutely okay. And, and I mean, this classification as a C player, finding the C player one time in a year, only makes sense if you have this kind of extrinsic consequences in mind. If there are no extrinsic consequences, you should not do this exercise. Really not. Leave it. I mean, I have seen a lot of companies say, okay, we name somebody a C player and we name it feedback. No, this is no feedback. This is... Maybe not even a judgment if there are no consequences. It's just nothing. Don't do it. Just do it if there are extrinsic consequences about the performer, the person. Okay? So, up to this point, we were talking about judgments, A, B, C. Who are the A players? That's a, that's a, uh, that's a very interesting topic how can you do this without hurting collaboration, um, without conflicting with the leader's role? Uh, that's that's a, a, a very interesting thing. And the other thing is about dealing with the C player. Okay, how about the B? How about the B? And here's here's something that I always wondered. What what companies very often do is they do this performance review one time in a year. Right, A, B, C, and then they tell the people, hey, you are a A, congratulations, hey, you are a C, sorry, you have to go, <laughs> and you are a B. And guess who are the most demotivated? It's probably those who learn that they are a B. And there are so many employees, uh, I mean, 70%, right? 70% who year after year after year learn that they are just average And this is not motivating. Really not. So the question is really, why do you do this? Being a B player means, hey, you are okay. Nothing will happen. Just go on. You are important. You keep the machine going. These are the 70% who keep the machine going. The well-working people. And you tell them constantly that they are, in bracket, only B players. Why do you do this? There is no reason to do this. Really not. Nothing. No. Okay? So, maybe, maybe I missed something, but in the last 15 years, since I'm dealing with that topic, I couldn't find any reason why you should tell a B player that he or she is a B player. Don't say anything. Talk to the C players. I mean, you have to. Talk to the, B, uh, to the A players. Yeah, you have to either. But talking to the B-players, telling them that they are B-players, no, there is no reason, okay? But I'm still learning, maybe I missed something, okay? So, what you take home from this episode is, sometimes we think, yeah, let's judge the people, ABC, that's a good thing, performance review, everybody's doing this. No, it's very complicated very complicated. Be careful. Think about the context in which you're doing this and think about which problem you want to solve with that. Be careful. Okay? And I hope I could share with you some thoughts about this particular concept. And this was the last episode around performance appraisal. Okay. It was exciting. And uh with the next episode we start talking about something very fascinating, something I love, really. Going to talk about learning. So I look forward to this. See you then.